This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Furminger, and today I'm delighted, delighted to welcome Giles Panton. Gilles Pantin. Gilles Pantin. A plus intro. Oh. That was amazing. Well, I got I got more words. Oh, I'm sorry. You want me to see the rest of the words? Yeah. Okay. I'll start that again, but we're oh. not going to reset. Okay. I'm Serena Ferminger, and today I'm delighted to welcome Giles Pantin, Gilles Pantin, to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Okay, this is, this is it. Okay. Giles Pantin is Iron Man. <laughs> no, really. He yeah. really is. Giles is voicing Iron Man in Marvel Battle World, Mystery of the Thanos Stones. He also voiced Tarzan on Tarzan, Tarzan and Jane, and Clay Warrington in Nexo Knights, and can be heard in Max Steel, Last Kids on Earth, and the iconic My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Giles does his acting thing out of the voice booth, too. He played Billy Turner, the Minister of Propaganda for the American Reich, in Amazon Prime's dystopian series, and yet kind of based on real life, what does that say? The Man in the High Castle, which was based on a Philip K. Dick novel first published in 1962. The Vancouver Shot series ran for four seasons, and it was set in an alternate reality where the Allies lost the Second World War, and North America was carved up by Germany and Japan. Friends of the podcast, Mayumi Yoshida, Lee Shorten, Peter Shinkoda, Hiro Kanagawa, Maya Aro, and the glorious Chela Horstall also appeared on the show. Giles played Chris the Waffle King Smith on <laughs> Chesapeake Shores and as a slayful, a slayful of Christmas movies in his filmography, including It's Christmas Eve, Christmas on Holly Lane, A Godwink Christmas, Christmas Pen Pals, and A Gingerbread Romance. So today we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to talk about hashtag cartoon life. I don't know if that's actually a hashtag, but maybe we'll make it one. We're going to pour one out for Man in the High Castle and pull back the curtain on Christmas movies. And then we're going to play a heart-pounding round of favorite things. At least that's a plan. Let's just see where this goes. Giles Panton. Gilles Pantin. Gilles Pantin. Bienvenue <laughs> to the Wavier Screen Scene Podcast. Here we are. Couple you're... of disclaimers oh, okay. for my listeners. One, you know, you're, if you've listened before, you know the drill by now. We record in an alley. You're going to hear some beeping from the angry Whole Foods drivers um, and the cursing about delivering kale. Two, I'm having trouble speaking right now because Giles brought me a taste of some hot sauce that his father made, this incredible potent concoction, and I I love hot sauce, I do. Um, and I pretty much scarfed it all into my mouth with nothing to cut it, and... Uh, Three spoonfuls. I yeah. was uh, oddly impressed. <laughs> it, it was amazing. It's del- like it's so flavorful. Yeah. But 
um, I underestimated the impact that it would have on my tongue. It lingers. Yeah, it really it lasting, does. And it uh, only gets stronger. Yeah. So. And that's what's happening now. But he also he also brought um, some rum cake and some coconut whipped cream because your family is from the Cayman Islands. So my, it, my father's my father's side is from the Cayman Islands. They were there for almost ten generations, I believe. Whoa. Very 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 long time. So they learned they learned how to make hot sauce and yeah, eat rum mouth. cake. Yep. Yeah. So that's. That explains my general inability to speak right now, but that's fine because we'll get Giles to do most of the talking. So those are my <laughs> disclaimers. So Giles, Giles. Uh huh. Hey, so there's a pandemic going on. Yeah, yeah, that's D- a did thing. you know? I I did. I have my mask. Yeah, that's good. Yes, you came in your mask. We're speaking through plexiglass. Yeah, um, we're being safe. Every interview though that I've done during COVID nineteen, whether it's over Skype or through this plexiglass, I have asked this question, and I ask it from my heart. Okay. How are you doing? I am good now. It was a rough. It was rough. It yeah. was because uh, uh, um, I saw it coming. You did. Yeah. Well, the moment they started bulldozing roads around Wuhan, mm. I knew this was going to be bad. Like, I just, I, I was like, okay. I, I just didn't. Which they were doing to keep people from leaving. The... Yes. They were, it was a massive, like, enforced quarantine. Uh, um, I, I, that's when I started talking to my family about, like, hey, you guys might want to get some food stocked up. You might want to, who knows how people are going to handle this. And when it hit, it's weird. The day, um, at first, I was like, okay, I can handle this. I'm a hermit already. I love to hide. Uh, um, so many actors are like that. Yeah. It's the, it's the strangest thing. But yeah, a lot of actors, a lot of performers are, are hermits when they're not performing. Yes. But then when it was like, oh, wait, this is what I'm doing, it became... It's, it's kind of weird, but one day when it really hit me and I got the saddest was when I went... I was shopping for a bunch of... Um, uh, I was shopping for my parents. I was shopping for their neighbors to keep them from heading into the stores. And I went in... And in my local Safeway, I was looking for a product, and they said, "Yeah, our um, our truck didn't show up today." And it, for some reason, it just hit me in this place where I was like, "Wow, this is this is real." And uh, uh, um, I don't know why that hit me the hardest, but like I got really sad with that, and I, that kind of it stuck with me for a little bit. Yeah. But it also, I think, being alone, just kind of in slowing everything down and being forced to stay at home, I was all of a sudden forced to just look at like maybe everything that I had not been looking at. And so it was it was a really cathartic, very good process in the end. But it was, uh, um, I feel so lucky that I had my wife with me. My wife. My wife, but because I had friends who went through this on their own yeah. and it sounded um, um, really, really difficult. Because as hard as it was for me, um, just going through what I was going through, not to have anyone to bounce thing off of. I mean, I- isolation is a form of torture yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. So I, um, yeah, my heart went out to a lot of people over that time period. But I will say now, um, I feel like I went through a hell of a lot and I'm better for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that, I mean, I've seen you on social media. You're very outspoken about a lot of issues that resonate with me, one of them being mental health. Like, I don't know about you, but I feel like going through all of my various mental health issues prepared me for this period. And I'm really worried about people who haven't, 
don't know, confronted their mental health issues, you know, before? Because I think we have a big mental health crisis. Oh, huge. You know, barreling down, you know, huge. living with that ever-present fear and dread and sadness and and just, like, the mundane nature of the terror, you know? Like, it's there, there's we're all wearing masks and we're scared, and yet it's not like bombs are dropping. It's a virus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tougher when it's not... Um, um, I mean, not to take away from the awful trauma that happens in war, because I've never been through that, but when it's sort of like an unseen enemy that could be around any corner, yeah. there's a weird... I remember in those first couple months how, um, uh, I don't know, almost paranoid. It was a weird, this weird feeling of like, gotta keep everyone safe, da, 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 but... So you were doing what I was doing. You, you were going, you were getting suited up and then going out running errands for people so that other people wouldn't be put at risk. And yeah. I mean, there's a pressure and anxiety in doing that too because yeah. you know and then I would be like I'm only going out once a week because I can't take it it's so devastatingly sad and that's it I would yeah. I would kind of line up all the errands together and just do them at the same time but on note of mental health uh, I'm with you there I think I think we already did can I say bad words fuck yes okay great fair. I thought we already did a really shit job of taking care yeah, I'm of I'm sorry that was your bad word well, it's we have a show on CBC. It's that was the beginning of bad words, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker. Um, uh, you so, know what I've noticed though that the, the people who work in cartoons yeah. are the ones who do not want to like they do not want to get on a mic and swear. Uh, you know? yeah. I think like Nicole doesn't want. I have to beg her to. Oh, you know, you know why? Because we have there's the kids. Yeah, but the the kids are well. They might listen. They're not going to stumble across this, but I'll keep it safe anyway. But no, but I do think we've done a really, really shit job overall of, of taking care of mental health. And I, um, I'm i not sure if it's because I was open enough as an actor or whatever it might be, but I, I am not shy to go into a therapist's office or jump on the Zoom these days yeah. and talk. So I I love therapy. I wish everybody did therapy. It's so good. Yeah. It, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was really nice, really thoughtful and, and thinking ahead and they weren't therapists, but they were offering, um, the province, I believe, was offering some form of free counseling. Yeah, during... I think there was, there was a provincial initiative and there was also a federal yes. initiative. Yeah, we've we've been, I mean, compared to other countries, we've been oh, looked compared after. Compared to countries that are very close. Very, very well. Yeah. So, have, so have you had a chance to go back to set yet? Um, Step onto a set since, since we've been in phase three? No, however, I have uh, voice work was only shut down for about a month. Yeah. And then it was back full board. So I had a cartoon I was doing. I'm back in doing um, video games, other stuff. And um, it's it feels so weird saying just because I, I uh, um, but like my, my wife and I just got the leads in a romantic comedy together because we're they're doing this thing where yeah. they're looking they're, for marriage they're looking for the couple yeah. so so yeah we're about to shoot a whole movie together which oh, wow. I feel so lucky for but at the same time it's weird. I feel torn. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like all these amazing opportunities are coming up. Um, there's going to be a ton of opportunities for Canadians very soon because of the amount of projects coming into BC. But I, I celebrate it. But at the same time, I feel pain. It's such a torn time. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a slow burning, mournful. Like I get it. We we do content creation here. You know, at Wyvar Screen Scene and at Fish Flight. And for us, it's good. It's good you know because yeah. we're, we're putting the content out but it's and and 
you know, one good thing that has come out of the pandemic is, I think, um, more of an appreciation for the kind of work that we all do. You know, people who are who create podcasts and television and gaming and and whatever, because people were looking to these things to give them comfort yeah. and joy yeah. during the this largest time. consumption of entertainment yeah. at any period in our history. I think just occurred. Just people devour. I watched all of Netflix. Oh yeah. Like, oh. All of it. Oh. A to Z. I, uh, yeah, what I, were you watching? Everything. I want more Umbrella Academy immediately. I just love that show. Um, so many great shows. Uh, uh, I've watched so many shows that I forgot what I watched. Yeah. I, I watch a lot of anime as well. Yeah. I love that stuff. What did I watch? Do you oh. play games? Uh, yeah. yeah. Do yeah, you yeah. play Animal Crossing? No. I have. I only have my Mario and my Zelda on Switch. Uh, yeah. I'm more of a PC guy. Yeah. So I have that. Like. Okay. Up. You can. I mean, I don't like that answer, but you can stay. I'm sorry. Okay, so let's do some time travel. Okay. Because I love to do some time travel. Oh, and my mouth does feel better now. Good, good. <laughs> I think it just needed to, it just needed to just settle. Talk just it to out. like, well, I think it just needed to be like um, absorbed uh, into like all the places in my mouth that it burned. So I think I'm fine now. It's just part of me now. Um, so let's go back in time to I don't know when. Okay. Um, because you're going to set the course in our time travel device. So sure. first of all, what's our time travel device? I did, uh, oh, uh, it is a f flying whale. Oh, that is, what? It's a flying whale. Okay. A magical whale with a big narwhal-like tusk. And are, and are we sitting on top of I it? I believe we are riding the whale, yes. Not inside, Not we're not going to Pinocchio this action. Okay, oh. okay, wow. I'm, Okay, I put a helmet on. Creatures can um, time travel, yes. Okay. Yes, of course they can. So let's go back in time to the first moment when you knew that you wanted to perform. Oh. So where are we going? Oh. And how old are you? Oh. I'm holding on to the flying whale. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I got into performance of sorts. I uh, was a drummer. I, I joined in sixth grade. In pause. Yeah. Pause for a second. Um, Did you find something? It's not that I found something. It's just that yeah. there's a photo. <laughs> there's a photo. Did you go to my MySpace? Where did you find this thing? No, no. This is, um, you know this photo because you, you've shared it. It's a photo that you shared last year. And um, Oh, is this my puka shell one? You're wearing puka shell necklace, <laughs> white linen shirt. You're in an animal print chair. Uh, your yes. hair is all. You look like that was, so uh, you I, you were in a boy band. I believe. Were you a drummer in a boy band? I believe that there was a show where InSync and the Backstreet Boys played together, and like enough of them mixed that I was born <laughs> as a result of that. Were they your fashion icons or something? <laughs> no. Is that what you wanted to be? That was that was a Sears. Okay, so one. So I went to. So this story is getting really okay, good. Oh no, yes, yes. I, and listeners, that, I, I will share this photo that was on the Instagram for Wyver Screen Scene and the Twitter feed, so you can find it there. It's glorious. So that was shot in uh, Sears downtown in their uh, photo area back when they had that. And uh, what prompted that? Wait, there's what, like a cow rug on I know. the ground. So I was in first year university. And I was, I am. Wait, you were older? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't high school. That was like, that's. You were knew better? No, I should have known better. That was first year university. <laughs> and uh, I wore those puka shells. Oh, uh, you brought me hot sauce and cake and I'm just laughing at you. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But it's, I've, uh, no one, 
no one who has come into this room has a photo like this. Oh, no, it's amazing. On purpose, that doesn't have to do with a role. That wasn't on purpose. Uh, in fact, I, I, those were my clothes. I, it's not like they've dressed me up. Like I, That is an outfit that I would have worn in first year university. Um, yeah, so uh, so yeah, so I I decided that I needed some modeling shots. I'm like, let's let's go model. I, I never did anything with the portfolio. I never did anything at all with it. it in fact, I think it's I think I still have it at home. Oh my um, god! Oh my god! But uh, but it's, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, because you are you're not looking at the camera. No. You're looking past. The oh, I'm camera. thinking about my future yeah. as a model. Yeah. Okay. No, I. Don't. <laughs> Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I felt the need no, to bring please. it up. No, please. You know what? I pull up anything. I'm okay. I love. I <laughs> I, I have. I. Th- to me, that is the the good kind of pain. Burning hot sauce is to look back at ridiculous pictures. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> See what I've done. I yeah. I have photos like that. I mean, not no. I do not have photos like that. Like that. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I have photos of me in my Star Trek uniform, standing yes. with my six foot tall cardboard uh, William T. Riker cutout. Um, uh, uh, does he? Is it the hairy chested version or him in uniform? It's he's in uniform, okay. um, but he's got it's after season four, so he has the higher collar and gotcha. he's, he's beardy. And um, yeah, I was I just 12, l- 13 years old, and for me, that was that was my idea of uh, that's a man. Did you watch? Uh, did you see his cameo in Picard at all? Did I see his cameo in Picard? I felt when I saw him, I was like, oh, I. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. However, yes. when listeners go to the Wyvern Screen Scene social media uh, on Instagram and on Twitter at Wyvern yeah. Screen Scene and see this photo, no. you will understand why I felt the need to bring it this, up. This picture looks like it was squeezed out of a tanning bottle of like with music playing in the background. I just yeah. love the fact that they had this setup. I mean, yes, you brought the clothes, you and have the, the book of shell, shell yeah. but it's like a, they have like a cow rug yeah, and then this like. There tiger print and chair. The same photographer, I distinctly remember her giving me advice and she's like, okay, you need to come back and do a photo shoot with balloons and puppies. And she was dead serious. And I was like, okay, I think that's a, that's a great idea. I think that needs to happen. Okay, <laughs> so you wanted to be a drummer. I did. Uh, I oh, did. Sorry, I'm sorry, I just have to cross out. Were you ever in a boy band from my list of questions? No, I did never do the boy band thing, okay. but I, I was drummer. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I was always a ham of sorts, but Performance-wise, I think that was the first first time um, was drumming. But like I said, as we, as we speaking as we've spoken before, there was like when I was a little kid, we were supposed to go watch Ernest Goes to Jail. It was sold out, and we ended up watching Hunt for Red October instead. And my dad's like, "Don't tell your mom." But uh, but yeah, that really impacted me. And like, did your I, mom know? Did she ever find out? She probably knows now. Uh, but like but like but like from that point forward. I was hungry for a different, I didn't just, I liked cartoons, but also the 80s cartoons were pretty heavy. They were the best. They were the best. Okay, I was gonna ask this question later, but um, what were some of your favorite cartoons? Ghostbusters. Yeah, yes. It was dark, it was dark in moments. Now there were two different Ghostbusters. There was the real Ghostbusters. And then there was this like, it was like a knockoff Ghostbusters cartoon. I don't know if, I'll find any. The one I had 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 the whole gang. Yeah, it was the whole gang, but then there was another Ghostbusters knockoff. Cartoon. Wow, that's like the first thing that comes off. Yeah. Yeah, it had a it had a monkey. Oh, I that, do not remember. Or it had like a big gorilla that had a little camera. Oh, the one I watched like Slimer was their buddy somehow. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. There's the Ghostbusters and then there's the real Ghostbusters and and they both debuted at the same time. Oh, weird. It's well, it's weird. I watched it's the weird. proper one. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Ghostbusters, GI Joe. It's canon. Oh yeah. I did like you know what I did like I did enjoy Care Bears as well and uh, Teddy Ruxpin was a weird one. 
he had those the mud blops or whatever the there was like all these weird creatures that they had but yeah, yeah. in general the whole 80s was like a, a kind of like let's terrify children yeah uh, um so it was a I, it was a really it's it was a great time to be a kid it's so weird that we as a generation are now the ones who are like our kids only eat like kale and like organic sugar-free stuff when we were literally like raised on like and just was, crap and did you i think you liked it somebody wrote a tweet about never drinking water in the 80s yes like, yes <laughs> so i remember i remember that too never drank water like kool-aid or coke or like my kool-aid what, yes things in from fruit, concentrate fruit wrinkles do you remember yep. fruit wrinkles yeah fruit wrinkles yes and the, the whole 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 yep. the tree that laughed and dropped uh, them out we could do on it like honestly okay so what was your favorite crap to eat in the um, 1980s that would have had a commercial during fruit wrinkles the uh the yogurt covered fruit wrinkles were like mm, a special yeah, thing that came out I miss I, fruit wrinkles and and like we were a little nuts but we took um, we took the uh, the uh, the iced tea crystals, and we would put them in a bowl with like the tiniest bit of water, and just make a paste and eat that like pure. That's almost as awful as eating the raw Mister Noodles. <laughs> we did that too. Recess. Did, that actually, was so gross. Yeah. Yeah. Top my top things that I ate in the eighties. Um, there was a candy called Punkies that I really liked, hmm. and it was kind of chalky. It was a Willy Wonka thing, but it was chalky, and like the candies were like they were very neon, and they looked like badasses, um, and uh, just a straw just filled with sugar, you know, and like uh, nerds and like yeah. little garbage cans that were filled with candy. Nerds, yeah. oh nerd! Hey, do you remember the garbage pill kids? Speaking do of I remember? Kids? Do I have the cards? You have the cards. Yeah, I have the cards. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also like the um, the the cereal that was not breakfast cereal. Oh, that was just It was just sugar. dessert and like yeah. they had like um like circus ones and they had they had like just the marshmallows which we never really got in our yeah. house. No, um yeah. but you know what was amazing during that time was I think the um and my kid will never know the the sweetest joy of waking up early on a Saturday morning, Saturday morning and then you were just watching from 7 a.m. until noon, you know, and you're in your PJs and you're just like, yeah. you're like, your mom is like, yeah, get your own breakfast. You're just like pulling, you know, what else, whatever, like cereal and crap out of the fridge and you're just, just oh, watching it and like the commercials, you know, everything was so important. Do you remember the Micro Machines commercials? Micro Machines The guy like, yeah. oh. They yeah. were great. Or, or the, um, People are like, what is this podcast? Listen, this is this is all formative because this tells us where Giles came from. Did you watch the um, the Hulk Hogan uh, wrestling cartoon? I didn't, but I had the thumb wrestling. Yes! Do you remember that? They're so weird. <laughs> you stick your thumb up their butt yeah. and then you thumb wrestle with them. It's I, bizarre. I had Hulk and I had uh, um, um, Macho Man, I think. Yeah, or Randy Savage. Well, yeah, yeah, they yeah, were like yeah. weirdly shaped. So, But when you were watching yes. those shows, were you? did you even realize that like there were people in a studio no. who were the voices? I didn't think about that. Yeah. I never thought about that with the movies or anything. It, was, it wasn't It was until, um, it would have been later, I think it would have been like 10 or 11, um, when Disney started to come out with on their VHSs, or maybe in their promo, they had like interviews with the actors. I was like, wait, wait a minute. Um, yeah. It didn't. It, it's not like the bug bit me at that point, but I. It was. Uh, that's the first time I thought about that. But other than that, I don't know. It was just the, this world that I'm like absorbing. Yeah. So yeah. okay, how'd you get here? Yeah. Like, so like, <laughs> you know, you want to be. You watch cartoons and you want to be a drummer. Like, yeah. how do you get from that to? It's interesting because I I did like, I didn't do acting in high school except for one English class where we did like a monologue. Uh, it, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's really like that's really surprising. I would say the bulk of the people who come to this to the studio, you know, that it, it was high school. Nah. That would be where like they did their first classes. In high school, I was in five different bands. That was high yeah. school for me. I had a, I had like a rock band. I was in ten. In, I had a rock band with with the kids that were two years older than me. So in tenth grade, I, my best friends were all the twelfth graders, and like so I had I had that, and then I was in the jazz band, and then I was in the concert band, and then I was also in the city. Like like the uh, the um, whatever they call it the uh, uh, honor ba- honor band I guess is what they called it where it's like the one of all the were you percussion for all of it yeah I did can you play. tell me the the names like do you remember the names of like the rock band and the oh yeah oh yeah 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 the first band was uh, the first rock band was called Gerrymander uh, and that, then that's a decent that's a decent band name yes we liked it and then uh, and then what did we become I have I still have stickers yeah from, from the second iteration of that band. <laughs> Uh, I forgot what we became, but then yeah, I kept playing like. And then they saw that photo of you, and they're like, "You can't, be in, you can't be in gerrymander anymore." That Giles. was it. No, that broke up in high school. But the bands in college, uh, one of them, like I played for three years in a trucker band called Run GMC, which was I know, I know, it was I don't amazing. Know how I feel about that. We were a walking pun, but like we literally, we literally cowboy boots, uh, the whole deal. We had a slide guitar player, we had a dedicated washboard player. Like they're legit. They turned into. The Washboard Union, which is winning Canadian Country Music Awards now, uh, and then and like that's a much better name than Run GMC. It is. Well, Run GMC was like we drink whiskey and just go play shows and have fun. But but it was that's uh, dope. That's great. Yeah. So no, I played music. Um, it was an interesting handoff because, and I'm I'll get I'll get us back on point. But uh, there, you don't need to. We'll okay, just go. We'll go where we go. We'll go where we go. <laughs> okay. So you know, so I was student council president and all that stuff. I was on student council the whole way through. We actually did co-presidents. Me and Kari Jean McKenzie. Uh, we did the first co-presidents in our school, um, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but I didn't touch acting at all, and I hit university. I went to UBC, and to um, do what? I went for forestry, to be honest. What the heck? I know. Where's well, that come from? Well, I, it was kind of a. I mean, and no offense to anyone in forestry, but it was a. It was easy access to the sciences. Uh, okay. You could do your first year and transfer into general science. I had good grades. I was like eighty-six something, but I just didn't want to sweat it. So it was kind of a secret backdoor in because the first. So what was the goal though? Did you have a, a I didn't goal know. in mind of what you wanted no, to I do? No, I had no idea because uh, for me it was okay. University is what you do after high school. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what to do, so I went. I I took my first year. I was not enjoying anything. Second year, I got a pretty big concussion, which knocked me into some depression. Um, I went. It was a snowboarding accident, but I took in my second year. I took an acting elective. Um, and it must, something must have sparkled in me, because I was living on campus, but something must have sparkled in me enough, because my, um, my father, uh, he's a doctor, and he had a patient who owned an acting school, uh, and he told the guy about me. And um, my dad called me up, he's like, hey look, I have a patient, owns a school, like you should go check it out. Uh, and it really struck me as, I just felt so lucky, because uh, uh, I guess I came from one of those families where the parents just wanted me to do what I loved. And they must have seen that I was like, Maybe when I came home for a dinner or something, it must have seemed that I was kind of down in the dumps. Yeah. But he picked up on it, so I went. I went to um, I went to William Davis Center, and I went there for uh, like I did their three month intro course. Now, yeah. If that name sounds familiar to listeners, we're talking about Mr. William B. Davis, who known around the world for playing the cigarette smoking man on the X Files, and is but is also has this very long history in Canada as a th- an actor and a theater director, and actually over in England as well. He's an amazing um, guy. 
Amazing guy. Really, really, really smart. Interesting roundabout. I ended up, they ended up bringing me back all these years later to teach their voice thing. So it's kind of this cool Whoa. 360. But, um, so, so you I, went to the old building that got knocked down? The there? old building, that's where I started. So yeah. I, that in that three month course, I fell in love. I fell in love. And I went to my teacher named by the uh, Julie Howgate, amazing woman. She's still over at William Davis Center. Uh, and she, um, uh, I just laid my heart bare. I said, hey, look, I, I'm confused. I'm not sure what I want to do in life, but I loved this class and I want to ask your advice. And she said, audition for the full-time program. And I did, and I got in, and I did it for a full year, and it turned my life around. And then um, I, for the first time, I was like, this is something I could do. And I'd always been a very emotional kid, very, very. Like I, it was not uncommon for me to be crying in elementary school at school, yeah. and they didn't really know how to handle that. So I was also very, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, gregarious, but also very good at getting kids to go along. Like in third grade, we oh. in, we invented a sewer god named Mari. Co- is like that. Yeah, My kid is like that. So she we, gets people in trouble. They come from back from yes. recess all dirty. Yes. So we did that. So what's well, leadership? Leadership skills. Sure. But uh, but but yeah. But teachers but, don't always like those leadership skills. No, but I f- I managed to weave the lovability angle. I'm not because that was a like, good intentioned, but like yeah we. They were not happy when we came back on a rainy day and like they have to put all our, remember the old radiators in school? Yeah, it, yeah. So they'd have to like throw everyone's socks up in there because we were just <laughs> soaked. Uh, um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they had some talks about me. But So, you know, when, when, uh, can't, the cigarette smoky man, when, when going to Bill's uh, center yeah. awoke something in you and you're it like, did. I, I want to do this, what was this? Like, what is it that at that point that you <sighs> wanted? Because, you know, acting is huge. For me, at that point, it just felt like home. Um, as I was saying, I had always been incredibly emotional, but there was no one that could really explain it to me. Yeah. Um, there was nothing I could really do with it. It was, a, in all other areas of my life, it was a crutch. To be honest, it, it made things quite difficult. In, in university, I had a bunch of friends, but it was not uncommon for me to come home like wailing about the injustice of the world and like bawling mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. eyes out. But now um, we have Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. Thank God I didn't have that then. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, so was it a case then of like chasing? I mean, we we had Eklund in here, Michael Eklund, talking about you yeah. know he got a taste of magic and he was like, I want that magic, and so he spent so much of his career chasing that magic. For you, was it a sense then of chasing home? Yeah. So you wanted to chase home. I think it was, there was, um, I had always on some level felt like I was an outsider or like I didn't belong, even though I was always in the center of things. And I had a very, like I grew up very happy, but there was a part of me that in a weird way was just always waiting for the shoe to drop and people were like, he's a pariah, get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, and there was something about, which is a weird belief for a kid to have, but whatever. But so, but like I, I um. There was something about it that just felt so like, oh my God, I can do this. I can do this. And it and uh, it became this, I became like addicted to it. Like yeah. I loved uh, taking every class I could and just digging in and like seeing where I could take myself emotionally. And like, I, I remember doing a scene once where I had to play, this was early, early in my, this was after William Davis Center, but still very early in my. Um, so this is after or before the Puka Shell photo? <laughs> after, the Puka Shell photo was two years, was the first year of university. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, the Puka Shells had long broken at that point. <laughs> but I. Uh, it's so dramatic. <laughs> they break and then they just like, you know, fall they, on the they, floor. And they they did, it was the end of an era. They broke and I never, I just never bought another one. Um, but no, I was in a class and I, 
it's funny that it sticks out, but I, uh, um, we were doing an improv, and I was, um, it was of the scene, and I was playing a character who had gone to Vietnam and came home like messed up. And um, I remember I was lying on the ground, just doing something, and the other actor kind of moved the chair, and it scared the shit out of me when he moved the chair. And and after that, when we were done, I stood up and I was exhilarated. I was like, oh my god, like that felt so real. Like I made, but also I recognized that I, because of what I had done, I had made that happen, and it was, I don't know, it was the most, like for the first time, I'm like, I can do this. This is gonna work. Yeah. Because I, I was aimless in university. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing after this. And for the first time in my life, almost, I was like, oh my god, this is this is something that is mine versus just a guideline of like, here's what you do after this. Here's yeah. what you do after this. So it became um, so freeing. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about your first time on set. What was it, and what do you remember? About uh, it? Interestingly enough, my first time on set was as a drummer in a Barbie commercial. <laughs> There's and a they, lot and they, to unpack and here. And they basically put me in the same outfit yeah. as, that, as that picture. <laughs> I kid you not. It was for Barbie Bling Bling. It was so offside. Barbie I don't e- Bling Bling? I don't think it made it to air because the commercial was so offside. They had her in a club, first of all, and she was wearing a necklace that was so big that in the commercial... It, she falls over because it's so heavy. Everyone's dancing in this at this concert in this club. Well, was this in two thousand and five? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah, did you find Barbie Bling Bling? I found Barbie my scene, my Bling Bling dolls commercial yes! number one. That's the commercial. One hundred percent. That is it. Nice Who said there were a couple of them? I thought it didn't make it to air. I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, you are like a ninja. You just found it. There you go. Yes, that's, that's you. Me in the yellow shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly enough, that was the last day of me being in a band called Elias because I, that day we were supposed to play um, a live show on the radio, uh, and I that was my first paid gig, and so I was like, guys, I'm really sorry. But like I have to, I have to take this gig, and uh, I have to do it for Barbie. I have to do it. Wow! Well, uh, but as an actor, your first paid gig is a big deal. So yeah. That, so Barbie bling bling, man. I can't. I thought that didn't make it to air because it was so sketchy on set. Like, I, I would like to take credit for for some mad like ninja skills, but I literally just googled Barbie bling bling commercial, and I, that came up. I tried googling that before. Maybe I just did it wrong. Um, that's really cool. That's really wild that you found that. Uh, okay, that. I'll, I'll send you the link. Oh, one so thing. Stoked. One thing that I learned on that set is there were, I don't know if it's this way anymore, but at that time, there were only two guys and uh, in the whole doll industry, and their job, or at least maybe a huge chunk of it, their job was to do Barbie's hair and makeup. So Barbie, in the commercial, they they did her hair and makeup to make her look better. Yeah, because she does. Not, Barbie does not come out of the package looking like no. that. No, and it was the most amazing thing they had. They literally had like miniature tools and everything to do to put the makeup on. They had a full size uh, hairspray because you don't need a mini one of those. But it was like, it was and like I. It was they were really good. I just had a flashback to cutting my Barbie's hair oh, and no. like burning her hair, trying to um, trying <laughs> to curl it with my curling iron when I, or my mom's curling iron. And it was like that smell of like of just melting plastic. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, besides the fact that that was your last, that it was your first gig, <laughs> and that was your last gig uh, with your with my band with your band. But yeah, that was the end. Of like it. what? How did it change things for you? The experience of of getting that getting that job I, and being on a film set. I remember um, the being on set was amazing. It was just wild because it, it felt so perfect that drumming was the first. It, like me leaving drumming. 
because that was the, that was it. I, I played with the Tracker Band for another year or so after that, but I ended up getting. I mean, uh, put respect on their name. You played with Run. I played GMC. with Run GMC uh, for another two years after that. But uh, I uh, want that. I want a trucker hat that says that on there. That I, would be rad. We had t-shirts. We had everything. It was yeah. it was a lot of fun. Um, um, but I ended up um, getting full out, full out kicked out of them as well because I couldn't make a sold out show at the Bourbon because I was on set for Flash Gordon. Oh man! But but, um, but so that first gig. Um, on set was cool, but the part that stuck out the most to me is when I got my first paycheck, my first paycheck for anything from acting. I remember calling my dad. Uh, I was in front of like a, a CIBC bank machine and I, uh, I had it in my hands and I called him and I said, Dad, I'm about to put my first, like, I'm about to first deposit my first paycheck from acting. And I think I thanked him. I was like, thank you so much. Because I didn't make a dollar for the first three years of my career. Yeah. Like I, I, I did uh, I did serving, I did everything else I could. I could like endless, Which is, endless I mean, loans people from- people who yeah. want to be actors and are listening to this, like that's yeah. par for the course. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- this industry to make a living is ups and downs and you've got to do other other things, you yeah. know? I found I found um, rogue bartending and you know, being one of my best favorite things. What, uh, what's rogue bartending? Um, uh, uh, event bartending. Oh, so event. Okay. I called I called it rogue, but it was like well, it I, sounded like it almost sounded like you're ninja. You're like you're you're, hi, you're hiding in an alley and you're like, hey, you guys, yeah. you got you guys need a Cosmo. <laughs> Could you make a Moscow Mule? And you got like this little bar set up. I, I don't know. Is that more along the lines of just showing up at any random venue for weddings? Yeah. Uh, things like that, like wedding bartending. I got to see some crazy, crazy shit at wedding bartending. Uh, we could put a pin in that or I can tell yeah. you right now. <laughs> you tell me right now. Okay, okay. So um, uh, one wedding I went to um, by the end of the night and I knew I knew it was going bad um, when the, wi- the, the new wife was very angry at the husband as he was crying through his speeches. But by the end of the night, he was bawling, sitting on the ground and she was grinding the best man on the dance floor. And I was like, okay, this is off to a really good start here. This is... Uh, <laughs> This is not going to work out. Um, but Has there been, yeah, there have been, there's been stuff about wedding, wedding bartenders, right? Like, a, like I don't know dramatic. if anyone. I mean, if there's been like the wedding singer and I don't know, you know, but that but would be I mean, the wedding singer basically covered it because yeah. the, they're the behind the scenes. They get to watch all the different weddings, all the crazy stuff yeah. that goes down. It'd be very similar. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so I, I digress. I loop back. I was standing in front of the bank machine and I called my dad to thank him. Um, a for uh, for him and my mom just like uh, supporting me into the industry but also just to tell him how amazing it uh, just like I just wanted to share and he's I remember him saying it feels good doesn't it Mm. and um, yeah that was that was really special so as funny as it was as as much as they dressed me up as Mr. Pukashell with my vest and everything else and Barbie and Skipper try to pick us up in her in her Corvette, weird commercial. Yeah. Uh, um, it was really really special because I'm like, okay, cool. This is this is it. This is starting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then, interestingly enough, very soon after that, the one I got known the most for that time was my Moore's wedding commercial, which lasted like ten years. I did that almost after that, and that's the one that played during every Canucks game for a good. <laughs> 10 years straight <laughs> and all my friends would bu- call me. I had a buddy who called me from his honeymoon and he's like, Giles, like you're on my TV in Mexico. Like, can you leave me alone? <laughs> That's rad. Yeah. I want to do a tonal shift now. Yes. Let's talk about Man in the High Castle. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, bit yeah. of a tonal shift. Um, what is so striking to me about High Castle, yeah. which began before the Trump administration, yeah. is 
is how much it over the run, but from the get-go, really, uh, it was parallel. It paralleled what was going on in the the real world. Well, it was. Oh, sorry, keep going. No, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say it's very interesting because I actually had a very very right wing person reach out to me uh, and tell me that uh, Billy Turner destroying monuments was just like what the Democrats were doing with the Confederate statues. And I had to have a very, very long chat with them about how it was not the same thing at all. No, no, yeah. not the same. Yeah. Um, so what did you learn about the past or about evil or about fascism by playing in the High Castle world? Hmm. Because I know... How benign, how easy it is to close your eyes as long as you're not having it's not happening to you because that's billy right like for, for the most part like i mean when we'd spoken yeah. before for for an article i wrote a couple of years ago yeah you talked about how like billy was kind of like a madman character billy was having the time of his life he just didn't think about it he was treating it he's an ad guy yeah he was an ad guy and and in some ways um potentially i don't think i don't think he was uh, there are there are people who can climb the ranks in in ad industries or in C, or, or different uh, corporations that are full out sociopaths. I don't think uh, I, I don't think Billy was that f- fully down the track, but I think he I think he um, I think he embodied a thing that a lot of people do. Where if you just don't think about it, if you tell yourself if you don't if you just don't think about the effects and just focus on what you're getting, you can you can. Uh, create a lot of bad and not even acknowledge it yeah uh, um, I think that's happening right now well I think it's happening with the uh, uh, um, uh, a lot of the controversy surrounding just COVID and people like until someone has a family member die they're not going to acknowledge it's a real thing yeah uh, um, I think it is happening right now uh, I <sighs> um, people 100%. Uh, if it doesn't affect them, it's not really happening. Yeah. I think that happens a lot. Uh, looking at what's going on, I mean, it's happening in Canada. We have our big issues with our indigenous population. Mm-hmm. And like how we treat our brothers and sisters in that whole, like we're not, we have not been, we have not been honest about how bad we've treated them. No, we, the, um, we, if anything, like the way that we do racism and discrimination and hate up here is, is I don't know, even more insidious because there's a veneer of politeness over it. You know, because it's like, like at least in the states, they talk about race and they talk about it in a, in a way that is more honest than we do it up here. Because we're like, yeah. that's not, we're not like that. Yeah. Well, I think I think we as Canadians like to look to the South and put on an air of superiority. Yeah. Uh, um, and we kind of overlook our own problems. And yeah, to be fair, when you put them next to each other, yeah, there's a lot to be proud of. Um, but there's a lot for us to fix up here too. But yeah, yeah, Billy for me um, was. Start. It was startling how easy it was to just slide into it because uh, um, um, it was just. It's just in those moments when you're flying high on something and you don't want to look at anything else. Yeah. Whatever that might be, uh, um, then you then it's and if you're just looking at the results you're getting, like if you become very results focused, very like success focused, very whatever, and you don't think about any of the tertiary damage or anything else, um, then you can. You can do some awful, awful things, and I think, I think it's really, really important because a lot of times, people try to pretend that oh no, like, that's not me. Uh, no, all that bad stuff that's been done in history that was done by evil people. Mm. No, uh, a lot of this is is allowed by um, good people who just don't say anything. Good people who don't want to look. Um, I don't know the quote. I'm going to butcher it, 
but it's something along the line, I don't even remember who said it, but it's something along the lines of like, uh, all the all the worst things that have happened in the world have been because good people just didn't do anything about it. So yeah. it's I'm 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 destroying that quote, but I think you got the substance yeah. of it. Um, so were you guys when you were filming when yeah. you were on set? Yeah. Like, did you talk about the the kind of the shrinking gap between what's going on in the high castle world and and you know what was going on, you know in all around the world, frankly, not just in the States. I mean, you have rising, you know, fascism oh, yeah. all over the world right now. Oh, yeah. And then you're on a show that's supposed to be this dystopian sci-fi show, and we're like, oh, my God, it, like, there kind of looks like what's going on. There were. There were absolutely chats about that. I mean, it didn't, um, it, uh, we talked about a lot of things, but, yeah, that absolutely came up. And I, um, looking back on it, I, there was one day that we shot a scene we had 300 background. We had like 15 giant crane, green stream cranes. And um, that was the day of, uh, of John's, um, um, his basically he became like the, the Uber Grip and Fuhrer, I guess. He became like the guy for yeah. the, the new president, basically, of the United States. Um, and there was something about the, uh, uh, the, just the insane over the top pomp and circumstance of it that just feels um, strikingly similar to what just went on last week. Yeah, we are recording on August 28th, uh, and this week was the RNC convention. Oh, was it? Uh, oh. In, uh, you're like, oh, oh, so interesting. Um, yeah. Hey, I had no idea. Uh, I know you know, and I know you're plugged into into the news. Um, yeah. On a lighter note. Yeah, yeah, that's funny, because that took me low. <laughs> yeah, like, I can see it, I can see it. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. I've mentioned some of the friends of the podcast who yes. appeared on on the show. I mean, then there was also, you know, Rufus oh, yeah. Sewell and so many incredible so many thespians. Great. Rufus is a fantastic, oh, the whole, everyone you mentioned yeah. are amazing, but like Rufus surprised me at how down to earth and just jovial and funny that guy was. Yeah, uh, okay, so yeah. I wanna hear though, who on High Castle is mo was most unlike the character that they play? Oh. Oh. I like this. Oh. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Um, that would be. Are you gonna say Joel De La Fuente? Yes. <laughs> 100%. Cuz when I first when I when I first met Joel was was my first was my first day. He was um I believe I believe he was shadow directing because he was getting ready to direct an episode, I think, or he was getting ready to direct something. Either way. So We're talking about Inspector Kido. <laughs> yes. So so uh, um um uh, the first time I met him, like I was like, wait a minute, because I had already watched the full everything, like, was uh -oh. available. <laughs> I, everything available at that point, and he came up to me, huge smile, and he's like, Giles, like we're so like so happy, so lucky to have you on set. And I was like, yeah, th thank you. It's like I, a cognitive dissonance. To yeah, that, right? no, because because like, but he literally changes his facial structure for the role. Yeah, like I don't like that's some top level. Like he changes. The, his physiology, yeah. like he There's looks like some tension in his face. That yes. when you talk to him, otherwise it's not. Yeah, and not even just the glasses on, glasses yeah. off, Superman Clark Kent thing, but like, but like. Sorry, but super Clark Kent's glasses not fooling anybody. I know, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But no, but literally, because when I saw him in person, I was like. This is like a totally different guy. Yeah. Like his whole physical, everything. There's just a weight and a, and a rigidity that he carries when he plays Keto that in life he doesn't have. He's like the most free flowing, like like it was. Empathetic, amp compassionate. Empathetic, yeah. so sweet. Um, he, uh, yeah, he, 
He's the bee's knees. He really is. Um, how do you think the experience of of portraying Billy on High Castle <laughs> has has changed you? Um, it was really interesting being on a set of that uh, size because mm. they they. I mean, that was like eleven million an episode. God, what a and what a beautiful show! Like yeah. the like the artistry, just from the way it's shot to what you, like what you see. Like I honestly, I wanted to not the biggest fan of the Smiths, but I totally wanted to go to their apartment. It was it was. Stunning. <laughs> Did you go to their apartment? I snuck into Keto's. I snuck into Keto's place, but no, their set. Um, uh, their apartment, um, was not. I don't because they had the house. Their apartment showed up in. I guess third, fourth. No, I didn't. I didn't visit that half of the studio, uh, but no. But I did sneak into Keto's offices and all that, and the trade minister's places, and like took, oh, some, cool. took some video. I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. But uh, but no, the show. Um, when I saw the like just the pure breadth of it and the detail in my office, I picked up a phone, and on the bottom of the phone was this was the steel plant in Philadelphia that it was cemented with the year that it was that it was that that metal piece was made, like the correct date. Like period piece, like sixty two or something. Unbelievable. So like every single item in that entire show, uh, and just the, down to the wardrobe. When we did that, um, when we did that ballroom scene in the third season, um, the huge ballroom where uh, Nicole's movie was premiered, mm. um, those dresses were all original. So they had to. They didn't have enough in Vancouver, so they flew dresses in from around North America oh, wow. to make sure that they had enough dresses. To make sure that er everyone who was in that ballroom scene was in 1960s period. Like. So did High Castle spoil you then? Yeah. Because not every production's gonna do that. No. Well, but it's interesting. It spoiled me and didn't. It opened my eyes to what was possible. Because mm. I have always had imposter syndrome. Uh, always. Well, welcome to the imposter syndrome lab. Yay! <laughs> so like even even it's a prerequisite when, for being on the show. Even when I was like leads on cartoons, like like halfway through the season, I'm like they're gonna fire me. <laughs> like, like, I worry about getting fired all the time, and I work for myself. Yeah, yeah. So so there was something about that show where I was like, oh my god, I like this is, this can happen. Like they, they're trusting me with this. And the feedback's amazing. And that he was only Billy was only supposed to be he was slated for two episodes at the beginning, but because of the dynamic between uh, why do I keep calling her Nicole, my brain just f melted. Bella, yeah. Um, the dynamic that we had, um, they wrote me into the whole season and then brought me back for the fourth. It was just really, really, really. Um, it was really cool. Now that didn't fix my imposter syndrome because I brought that shit to some other shows later on. But yeah. but uh, but it definitely opened it definitely opened the doors, and I was like, wow, this is, um, like even though I'd already been making my living doing it for a while, I'm like, this could this could work for me. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah, it's good to yeah. have that. It's good to it's good yeah. to actually feel that sometimes. And then also also to be on something of that um, importance. Like I thought the story they told was really uh, deep and really valuable and really important and a good counterpoint to what's going on up until that point the only um not to throw anything i need to look back i need to think back to my aside from maybe some short movies or like a one-off smaller project there was nothing that dealt with i don't know a heavier subject like that so it was really cool to sink my teeth into something like that too yeah so there's a whole bunch of wins from that yeah you're iron man yeah so we can't have imposter syndrome about that. No, that's wild. That's, that's wild. Bonkers. Well, that came on the heels of me doing. That came on the heels of me doing a um, 
a uh, another spot from Marvel where I played both Carnage and Norman Osborn. That's the one that got me the Leonom. But yeah. it, but that came on the heels of that, and it was weird because we just all got we just got booked right off of. Um, I think that was MP3s for that thing. Anyways, no, it, that that's that's been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I I am fascinated with the magic that's created okay. in 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 the booth in in the animation lab. Um so I can you bring us into what goes into creating a voice? Oh. You know, and the kind of the the special magic that happens? Yes, it really depends on the character cuz like cuz there Let's have been talk so- about Iron Man. Well, Iron Man, to be honest, is pretty close to just how I normally behave. Me and me and Robert Downey Jr. have a similar. Pardon me while I close my eyes. Well, there's a similar kind of, um, I don't know. We have a similar hyperactivity, and there's a similar kind of other stuff that goes on. So a lot of. A oh lot my of, God! You're, I had my eyes closed. I guess people are listening to this. We're feeling that all yeah. the way through. But I, I actually just really focused on your voice. Then I hear it. There is. I hear so it. So there's a similar That's like fr- frenetic kind of. energy. Yes, there's a kind of frenetic kind of energy. A certain wry dryness um, that comes out in certain moments. Uh, um, but yeah, so I just, I just, and and then a silliness. So I just amped up a lot of those qualities of me, and then just let the director guide me. I love everybody who works in the in the Vancouver voice scene. Um, Everybody who's come into this, I mean, we're talking about, you know, we got Vincent Tong, we've had Rona Reese, we've had the queen, Nicole Oliver. Oh my God. You, you, you know, know, Vincent and I went to high school together. Right? I didn't know that. We went to high school together, and in the 12th grade, we went to Disneyland together as part of the high school band and high school choir, like, combo. And so Vince and I went down to Disneyland and went on this whole adventure oh together. And all these years later, we're, we're colleagues in the small world. That is, yeah. that's amazing. So how would you describe, though, the Vancouver voice acting scene? Like this oh, company of actors. Oh, they're, they're a, you know what? They're... Uh, oh, and we've had Peter Columbus in here yeah, as well. Too. He's a good dude. Um, how do I describe them? Okay, my first... I'll, I'll describe it the way I was introduced. My first voice audition ever was for a commercial. I went to a place called Coco Productions. Mm. It was with uh, an engineer named Murray, and he gave me probably just eight minutes in the room with him and just guiding me, and he's like, it's so nice, like, welcome to the industry and, like, all this stuff, and it was the warmest greeting. And, and like, I love film and TV, but, like, the time is money in a very different way over there. So, fun, fun, fun. like, so, so, so it was... Um, um, I don't know. It was just so, I felt taken aback. I, I wasn't prepared for him to give me like eight, 10 minutes in the room. It's my first time ever. Yeah. And, um, and then when I started to meet the other voice actors and everything else, I'm like, these are the warmest, most welcoming people. There was like zero sense of kind of that weird competitive friction that sometimes shows up in mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Um, um, I guess less and less these days as like the, everyone's maturing, but, uh, but, um, yeah, it was just the warmest place. They, it's the first place where I felt like it was just a bunch of colleagues, hmm. like just a bunch of like people who are ready to be friends. And I, I don't know if you know Brian Drummond. Um, I, I very familiar with his work because okay. I'm very familiar with cartoons and animation. Okay. But no, I haven't had him in here yet. Okay, he, um, him and his wonderful wife Laura, they're kind of like, and Vincent as well is plays a huge part in this. But they've created 
we've created this really tight community of voice actors where we regularly all hang out like as a gang where we'll go we'll go to we'll go to not these days but we'll go to a house sorry 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 I know I'm picturing you as a gang like literally a gang and you've got like t- shirts that have like your oh, animated yeah. characters and we on all it. have like weapons that are our action <laughs> figures and we just yeah. beat the shit out of rival <laughs> cartoon companies yeah that's what we do. <laughs> we talk, yeah, we go and like burn. But you don't beat the shit. Like you do your, you do like voices at each other. Yeah, we 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 mock battle each other yeah. until someone like sprains their throat first. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't watch sports, but I would watch that. No, it's but it's it's you know what it's I it's so funny. I'm I'm really I'm really emotional today. Uh, um, which is life but uh i really 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 appreciate the voice community yeah i love those guys the, the whole team of them we um yeah it's it's more than a community it's uh, we have um there's a voice actor oh why did his brain his name escaped me right now uh there's a voice actor who flies out here from toronto actually he's hmm. a fair, he works a lot but i've never heard of anyone who flies back and forth he's he's a hustler he's really good at what he does yeah um but when he came here one of the first cartoons he did here he got he got invited to a party and he he was talking about the difference he's like vancouver has like a community of voice actors versus it doesn't feel the same so it's and it might be because we're small enough that we all know each other and we can hang out yeah like with film it's pretty big so there's a lot of different circles and a lot of different things but uh i feel like i'm uh not doing it justice here but it's it's um it's so warm, it's so small, it's most so tight-knit, but at the same moment, uh, very, very welcoming. Because hmm. uh, even the producers, they're uh, regularly, they've been like, hey, do you, like, do you, know, do you know of any, any like, new cool voices or new things like that? Any, anyone you can think of coming up? Like, they're always looking for new people. So when I had first been told about the voice industry and I was interested in getting into it through, um, I think, Sage, Sage Brockle. Sage Brocklebank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he wasn't in the voice industry, but he uh, relentlessly, for like a year anytime I saw him at a party he's like the man with the voice he's like when are you gonna do voice work and he kept like bugging me and it was I don't, I don't know it's like giant imposing yeah, presidents I, I as lo- well I love him I love I haven't seen him in a long time but I, I it's funny because like that that's still he in the back of my head he saw something though he recognized he heard something he heard something yeah Yeah. but so at that but at that point other people have been like oh I've been trying to get into voice for years it's so like it's so tough it's so tight knit and I broke in in three months and yeah. And then it just became my thing. Like, yeah. I, I love it. Um, what is a type of character, creature, monster, whatever, that you haven't voiced yet that you yearn to voice? Okay, well, I just did one that I never thought I was going to get to do, which I can't talk about, but I'll, I'll slide it over. Oh, come on. Okay, I played this, I played this like really... Wait, are you allowed to say this? I, can, I won't say what it's for. Oh, okay, okay. I, I don't want you to it, get in trouble. I won't say what it's for. Okay. Um, so I won't say what it's for. But I just played this really, really, um, like, spoiled, like, s- like spoiled, probably psychopathic, um, really, 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 like, rich prince who was utterly, like, devoid. He's just evil. But, like, he was so bitchy that he was, like, the funnest, like, I'm allowed to say that? Do you know what I mean? There's that kind of, like, he was just really, is that a bad word? No. What? No, that's okay. No. What? What? Bitchy? Yeah. Oh my God! Honestly, what is it? What is it with the voice actors? I don't know. They don't want to swear. I don't know. My fucking balls. <laughs> fuck. Fuck. Okay. Fuck. Shit, bitch. Shit, asshole, bitch. Fuck. fuck asshole. Yeah. Anyways, he was so just like, nah. like I. It was so much fun. So it, deliciously. So like, deliciously, yeah. and he was, and I got, and I, he was British. So it was so deliciously. 
like, like spoiled pompous snivelly. evil snivel I don't know that was a lot of fun so that was one that that was one that was kind of on my list but uh, um, okay so one I haven't done let me think let me think who would I love to play um I love how hard you're thinking. Like yeah, well, because I, I I want to put it out there. Yeah, I I've I've gotten to play a lot of really cool characters. Um, you know what? I have never done a total goofball. I've played a lot of heroes, and that's thank God. Like I mean, here like heroes have been my thing, but yeah. I I don't think aside from. Aside from like uh, Far Cry, where I played like this ten Red Bull a day absolute douchebag goofball who's a different kind, mm-hmm, um, that mm-hmm. that was wild. But I haven't played like a total like just um, like like goofball like um, I don't know like like a young kind of idiot character. I I think I'd have a lot of fun with that. A young idiot character. Yeah. Okay, I want that to happen for you. I want it to happen put that too. Into yeah. the universe. Okay. That took me a while, but thank you. Merry Christmas, Giles. Oh, yay. Let's yeah. talk about Christmas movies. Okay. Yeah. Um, I look, Let's just review. So in the last couple of years, yes. you did It's Christmas Eve, yeah. Christmas on Holly Lane, yeah. A Godwin Christmas, yeah. Christmas Pen Pals, yeah. and A Gingerbread Romance, which I'm assuming is a Christmas movie. Yes. Those were all in one year, actually. Those were all in one year. Jesus Christ. That was one year. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, well, first of all, have you played the Hallmark Christmas movie drinking game? No. I know you don't drink anymore. Well, I have I I, I enjoy really you enjoy ni- it more really nice sakes and yeah. things like that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not the like wake up the next day. What the hell happened anymore? How, so I did find though uh, a Hallmark Christmas movie drinking game online yeah. where you take a drink whenever there is um, reference to a dead relative. Main character's name <laughs> is related to Christmas, including Holly, Nick, Chris, etc. Anytime someone disses a fake Christmas tree, newcomer partakes an old family or town tradition. There's hot chocolate, apple cider, eggnog. There's a near miss kiss times two, um, ugly sweater or tie, big city person transplanted in a small town. Like oh, how one. drunk all these th- would you be? <laughs> Done. I mean, in the first five minutes, you'd be, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to finish the movie. Uh, there, yeah, there's a delightful a delightful delightful uh, formula. For that. There really is. Yeah. Okay, so tell me what would what do you think most viewers would be surprised to know about the making of a Christmas film? Oh, oh, mo- oh all the snow's fake. I'm sure they knew that, but but like how dare you? How dare you? You're <laughs> most, ruining Christmas. Most of those are shot in the summer, so like yeah. there's no there's no real snow. I mean, uh, unless we did one in an ice rink, that was real ice. We when we skated around, that was. That was ice. Yeah. We could have, but they have fake ice that you can skate on, like the Robson rink. Yeah. Um, so what's normally your character? I'm almost always the wrong boyfriend. Yeah. Almost oh. always. Though. You're the one from the big city or something. Yeah. Or I'm, like, I'm like, it's me or Christmas, Julie. Like, <laughs> like, you mean Holly or Holly. Ivy. Or... That's true, Ivy. Yeah. Uh, um, no, I'm almost always, though, though, yeah, I'm almost always the wrong boyfriend. Um, though in Godwinks, I got to be like the right boyfriend, but for the wrong person, because that one was based on a true story. Yeah. So they didn't make him very archetypal. That was that was different. That was kind of cool. Um, but no, for all the rest, I'm always, I'm I, in in Hallmark world, I am the villain for all intents and purposes. Aside from the aside from the um, um, sometimes I have like the evil like ex girlfriend or something who causes trouble. What do you think it is about you 
that that <laughs> makes you I, be cast as that dude. I think it's my uh, 2000, 2001 Puka Shell necklace picture. I think it might be. <laughs> I think it might be. No, also, I, no, I will say this. I, I will say this. I, um, I, uh, um, how do I word this? I, because of the amount of pain that I went through, a lot of the many, many crying days, I think I did develop when I am scared or when I am feeling very shy, I developed a defensive protective layer which comes across as a bit aloof and a bit dry hmm. and a bit um, a bit wry comedy. Um, uh, it can also it come across a bit as distant, which can be misinterpreted in times as arrogant or other stuff, but it really is just I'm scared and I don't know what to do. So I think I think I developed um, an ideal uh, um, kind of <laughs> uh, tra- transitions very easily into um, a douchebag veneer. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think that's part of it too. Because uh, I also have the capacity, and I have played very very soft and broken and like crying characters and other stuff like that. So. I think I think they go hand in hand. I think when you add that in with just how I look, when you add in that kind of protective bristly veneer, mm-hmm. then it ha- translates very well into a guy who's only thinking about business or a guy who's like waffles. Uh, who <laughs> waffles? Well, waffle was interesting. I did something different for him. What did you do different for? So he we're talking very, about Chesapeake Shores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Waffle King was quite different, actually. Um, he was almost a, a bit Hal-ish from uh, Space Two Thousand One. Hmm. Um, um, he spoke very. Uh, very straight back, very proper. I, I I'd have to watch a clip to get back into it, but uh, the cadence was the cadence was almost robotic in the mm. way I did it. Um, and uh, you were kind of the foil for yes, uh, for, Jesse. for Jesse Metcalf. Right? Yes, I came in for two seasons and just caused shit. I took over I, I, I took over his restaurant. I became the new manager, and yeah, just uh, brought in waffles, all sorts of things that he hated because it was a country bar. Yeah, uh, I did a, I did a whole lot, but yeah, actually that that character was kind of fun for me because it was uh, a departure from the kind of villain I'd been playing for Hallmark. It was a different kind of like, I was more of a straight-laced, um, but like poorly socially adjusted, just business guy. Uh, um, different, different, it was different. It was That was a lot of fun actually, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, I. it was always a, a joy to see like fans tweeting at you like waffle things. Yes, that was so much fun. <laughs> like I got a whole meme out of that. It was yeah. like, that was a delightful, and to be honest, I think I, I I made a meal out of I made a whole waffle meal out of that which which brought me back for which helped bring me back because that was uh the, the fan engagement on that one was fantastic yeah it was all a my very fans unexpected. are very yeah. dedicated yeah they're great um okay let's talk about roles okay okay and then we're gonna do favorite things okay so all of these questions the roles questions and then favorite things you got to answer from your gut okay? oh yeah I can do that okay so You're what me in trouble. What is a Giles Panton role? Hero. I play a ton of heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is what is your what is a type of role that you won't do? Maybe that you won't do anymore, like you used to do do them, and you don't anymore. Or like, it, what like if you, if you read a description, mm. like oh no, I I can't do that. It depends on the project. Yeah. Because I think there is a. There, within a certain context, a really awful human being can tell a story uh, in a very powerful way, yeah. like American History X or something like that. 
Right, you um, showed up in a short film where you were clearly playing. It, it was the one that was told, like told through a hospital curtain. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah. And you were playing an abusive, oh, yeah. an abusive partner. Yeah, I um, uh, yeah, uh, I won an award for that. Yeah. Um, I think it's important. It was powerful. I think it's very important in 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 projects like that to tell because that's there are real people like that. Yeah. I think it's very very important to to um, to share that. I would say there's no role. There are projects I would not do, but there aren't necessarily any specific roles I wouldn't do. Mm. It depends on the project and what they're doing with it, and, yeah. and what the message is, and what the core, uh, their core goal is with that project. Yeah. Because um, I think I think it's really important to be able to tell any story, but it's very important as to the question of why are we telling the story and what's the goal and is this being used to disparage yeah. or hurt a certain group or is it being used to uplift or to highlight? Hey, look, this shit's still going on in the world and we have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so that that's my answer to that. That's a good answer. Um, what was the question that just flew out of my head? <laughs> of all the characters that you've played or voiced, yeah, which one is the most like you? Huh. Um, There's only one acceptable answer. What? Are you, <laughs> you gonna make me say Iron Man? <laughs> I'm gonna make you say Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but there's a fair amount. There's a fair amount of similarity there. I, I, um, I think, uh, my first, it's in, well, no, you know, because there's so many different aspects of me. Do you know? Like, there's different. I, I, um, uh, that's hard to say. Every character has highlighted a part of me. Um. Oh, which, which was this for voice? You it was said? for both. Oh, for both. Oh, yeah. for both. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Who's the most like me? Um, there, I would have to look at the resume. There, there, <laughs> there's something floating up in my head right now. Uh, I'm going to IMDb myself. You're literally IMDbing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's some, a flex. Something was flo- a flex. Something was floating up, and I was like, wait, what, what is that? What is that? What is that? Um, that's that's interesting. That's a tough question. Um, He's doing a lot of scrolling because he has a long filmography. <laughs> it's, I've been it's been pretty lucky. Um, hmm. I mean, I I'd be really curious to know, you know, even something you know like what? Billy, you know, who who um, I mean. Madman, ambitious character, yeah, um, and yet minister of propaganda for the American Reich. You know, like that, like that's a cognitive dissonance, and yet, like you also found that you're able to kind of slip into his world and into his POV pretty easily. Yeah, no, uh, I, I mean, as I as I said, I think every single person has the capacity to to. I found one by the way, but I'll share it after. Okay. Uh, every single person has the capacity to. Um look the other direction and that is maybe one of the worst things we could do because mm. realistically there are probably a very small percentage of the population that are like truly really bad people i think it's very 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 small yeah um but it is the willing masses that allow them to get away with a lot because people either um want to feel smart because they feel like they picked the right person or 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 they're 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 too scared to admit they were wrong or or they they don't they don't want to give something up that they already are getting, and they're they're scared of losing that, so they look the other way. Whatever it might be, I think 
that whole chunk in that whole massive chunk, which is most of the world, uh, we allow these awful people to get away with stuff. Um, uh, so I think, I think with a character like Billy, he just highlights anyone. I mean, even on a microscopic level, if you've ever done something unethical at work, uh, if you've ever done anything, um, if you've ever maybe gone along with something like in a job where you're like, ah, this doesn't feel like the best thing, but whatever, like it's no big deal. Yeah. Like it, it's those little steps, those little steps that get you. I mean, uh, no, no single action. It, it's it's not a single moment that takes us to this awful place. It's a series of small choices, yeah. of small allowances where we're like, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look. And or even like an unwillingness to believe that it's as bad as it actually is. Yeah, you know? there. that's interesting too. I think there is sometimes um, a rose-colored glasses thing. But I, I think a huge part of it also is is we do not want to look at the parts of ourselves that are willing. That are uh, complicit. Yeah, that are yeah. complicit, but also that have done bad things too. Like I think, I think sometimes when we see, uh, we all have, we've all had like horrible moments at some point in our life. If 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 someone took a camera and like captured you for thirty seconds in one moment, they could paint us to be the worst person in the world. Mm. Uh, um, um, in our worst moment, whenever that was. So I think I think a lot of times also we want to. Um, I don't know cover it up for someone else because we don't want to look at our own bad shit yeah man this is starting to feel like therapy <laughs> okay so what was the role okay. what was you know the role what? it's interesting in life it was another short film by the same director who made that who made that other project and her name is uh Brenda Brenda Whitehall yeah yeah Brenda Whitehall yeah I love her um she's been really cool she's doing really cool stuff in the city with yeah. just bringing a lot of great people together um yeah, but it was a movie called Little Oliver, and I played a father who had lost his daughter to um, cancer. Um, not that I have, but like there was something so relatable about just his, um, <laughs> this feels really exposing, but his pain and his want just to connect to somebody. Yeah. Um, that I think... Uh, yeah, really, I could really relate to in the role. I mean, like, Iron Man's fun, but that's, like, me at my best, yeah. you know? Or like, well, you know what's incredible, though, about, you know, you said that you could really relate to your role in Little Oliver. But yeah. imagine people also watching the film, you know, and especially men yeah. who are not always, um, like, able to talk about their emotions, you know, like, so, like, like, I don't see Paul getting together with his buds and then they're talking about their deepest feelings and fears and, you know, the darkness and whatever in their life. They should, and that's why everybody should go for therapy. You know, but then you see it on screen and then that's a way of of kind of working through it, you know? Yeah, I I think that's value. I think it's, yes, I think that's true. And But interestingly enough, also, like, the loss of a child is, is almost one of the only acceptable places in certain parts of male culture to, like, openly express sadness yeah uh, um, crazy but, that it would take that though to, to have uh, yeah well I mean man up right I'll, or like, man, just, like yeah. man up like, that's toxic cry. masculinity looks like it's awful. it's not just about like oh I hate women or whatever it's it's also about like the the, the kind of the things that men do to yeah. themselves Boys to cry. yeah to, to not deal with their feelings okay so we're in such a good place right now emotionally <laughs> to do favorite things you ready? Yes, okay. I'll change it up. I think I think I'm taking us dark today. I, okay, I'll keep going. Listen, yeah. we we each one of us contains multitudes, right? This is true. You know, yeah. so people are getting a real glimpse. I'm getting a real glimpse of what's going on. 
on the other side of the plexiglass. Yeah. Okay, so welcome to Favorite Things, where you talk about your favorite things. Okay, okay let's do it. So, okay, favorite locally shot series. Oh, X-Files, wow, that came out. Yes, old school, old school, yeah. Favorite cartoon character of all time. Oh, e, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, 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 wow, there's a bunch. Um, why is it coming out? Uh, Giz, uh, Giz, uh, Gizmo's not a cartoon character. I love Gizmo, though. Yeah, uh, Gizmo's great. Favorite cartoon character. Why is that so hard? And There's so many that I love. Um, I can't answer that. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll do it. 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 Wow. But this isn't, this isn't like a time-sensitive thing, is it? <laughs> I felt like I was on that quiz show where you had 10 seconds. 10 seconds on the street. Answer. Answer now. You know, the joy of, of this segment is just to see how people react to these questions. It's so funny. I felt so relaxed and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm under the gun. You have to answer now, Giles. You, you have Your to life now. is over. Uh, favorite cartoon character? I don't know why I have that voice all of a sudden, but yes, your life is going to be over That's if you don't answer. Pressure comes with that kind of voice, see? <laughs> um, I think I in particular love Naruto's journey from troublemaking little shit to, um, yeah, saving everybody and growing and maturing. I think Naruto might be my favorite character. Favorite karaoke song? I'll just say, I'll just say something by Aerosmith. Let's do that, why not? Favorite comfort food? Chips, all the way. Flavor? Uh, uh, well, I, I waffle, but I really like sour cream you and waffle? onion. You waffle? You <laughs> waffle? I really like sour cream and onion, but I, I also, in particular, like All Dressed, so it's a combo. Oh, yeah. All Dressed, in North America, that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. And in England, it's Prawn Cocktail Crisps, which really? is a very similar kind of oeuvre, the same kind of genre of All, of all Dressed. The, uh, you know, snack companies have a lot of interesting information for, like, likes, because Lay's Every country, they have like their signature flavors. It's just yeah. so interesting, yeah. Yeah, in England too, there's like brown sauce flavor and- um, Brown sauce? T brown sauce. Is that like Worcester or like- It's no, that Worcester, Worcester sauce is different. Okay. Brown sauce is its own thing. Okay, okay. It's called brown sauce. Brown sauce chips. Yeah. <laughs> brown sauce crisps, brown sauce crisps, Crisps, yes, but, crisps. but you can put brown sauce and you should put brown sauce oh. on your chips. Which is like the fries. Yes. Fries, gotcha. Yeah, Understood. all right. Favorite thing to eat at craft services? Oh, I like the little, uh, I like the little like um, uh, the sauce, like the beef jerky sausages. Oh yeah, I like those little things. Yeah, I, I just I don't get them anywhere else. So when I see them, I'm like ah, so <laughs> like a cupful. I don't know what these days is like because when I when I go back on set, I imagine that'll be a very different experience. Yeah, uh, I was speaking with Jill Morrison yeah. recently, and she told me that craft services is almost like going to the canteen in a prison now. Oh, where it's like you have to like go and you order everything, and everything's wrapped up and stuff. Like even craft services, I'm not even, I'm not even talking about catering. You know, craft services. Everything's individually wrapped. Everything's individually wrapped. That you have makes to sense. ask for it, and I mean. I, Granted, every production is different. Anyway, I digress. Favorite supervillain? It's uh, Orochimaru. He's my favorite. It, it has. Oh, he's never. Well, I'm on the same. I'm yeah, on the same page same as one. you. He has. Yeah. To, it. It has to be the Japanese uh, version, uh, vo the Japanese voice actor, because when they traded it over for the dub, it's not the same at all. It's not the same. The guy. The guy. The guy who voices him for the Japanese version. It is true. It is. There's something so creepy about his you voice. You feel it in your bowels. Yeah. yeah. And even the way he does the voice, like it's not fully voiced, it's an off voice kind of, and it's it's uh like it's really well done. And yeah, that's my favorite villain. That's my favorite villain. Favorite Netflix binge. Um Umbrella Academy is really good. So good. It's really good. Yeah. I so we just finished finished watching season one. So we're doing yeah. season two this weekend. Yes. So. It's even funner. 
Oh, I can't even yeah. imagine. I can't even imagine. Well, who's your favorite character? Um, I love. Why don't I remember his name? Uh, Klaus. I, yes, that's my favorite. Klaus is my favorite. And I was so panicked the whole first season. Like, oh, nothing bad happens to him. I, I couldn't stand Luther. He's so dumb. And Diego, he's so dumb. These guys are so dumb. But Klaus. He's just amazing. Yeah, and I can't wait to see if we get to know Ben more. You know, don't say, no, no, you, you're saying stuff with your eyes. Don't say stuff with your eyes. I won't say anything. Okay. I will not say anything. <laughs> okay. It's worth it. It's a good second season. Yeah. Favorite book as a child? I really loved The Talisman mm. by Stephen King. Wow. What, as a child? Yeah. Seconded by um, Orson's, uh, was seconded by Ender's Game. Wow. Okay. I didn't know the man's politics at the time, but my, so here's what happened. My my neighbor, uh, her kids grew up and grew, left, and she came over and she's like, Do you want any of my kids' books? And I was like, Yeah. So I was like nine or 10, and I got a hold of Ender's Game, and I just, it, Blew my mind. But yeah. at, that, at that point, I had already been Hunt for Red October, so my mind. I'd probably watched. I'd probably watched <laughs> Dune like eight times by then. Watch. What would have happened if you had actually gone to see the Ernest movie? I'd like, be an accountant. Would, that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against accountants, but yeah, no, that was it was a pivotal moment. Favorite um, decade. Eighties all yeah. the way, man. I mean, this like, not that I don't love life now, but there was some pretty special stuff back then. Yeah, that's true. Because we all ate crap. Yeah, and the. Ch- we were all just were awesome. high on sugar the whole time. Yeah, and yeah. and they even had those little um, like honestly, I went to so many birthday parties at McDonald's. Yes, that was a thing people did. Yes, and it wasn't like a, oh we're going to McDonald's like oh man like it was no we're going it to McDonald's. Was exciting. Yeah, yeah. Got the loot bag. And oh yeah. There was like all the play areas and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. they had little straws for or not straws spoons that were for sugar that apparently people who use a lot of coke would actually use for, to scoop up their the, the McDonald's. McDonald's uh, sugar spoon. I don't remember. Was it a plastic spoon? Just a clear plastic spoon? Or? <sighs> you, you, okay, just walk over here and okay, look. Okay. You gotta look because you'll okay. know. You'll know it. These. Oh yes, I do remember those. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. remember those. And uh, that uh, McDonald's orange syrupy sugary yeah, at the, beverage they always brought at the, the track and field. Yeah. Yeah. Our sports days were that sugary drink and hot dogs and uh, long johns. The Long John Donuts. You never had those too? No. <gasps> we did. I'm from out east though. Oh, so, so we, we had the orange, the orange like melt your face off drink and yeah. then hot dogs and then chocolate milk and a Long John, always. <laughs> just what you want on your on your physical activity day. Well, I burn it off. Yeah, we basically, yeah. Just go burn it off at home after that, I guess. Okay, so this is, this is the very last favorite things question. Okay. You ready? Okay. Favorite advice to give to emerging actors. There is always more opportunity. Just because you don't get this job doesn't mean there won't be another one. There yeah. will always be more. Your whole career does not hinge upon one job. Um, keep going. That's tough, though, right? Like that's that's a hard thing to inter- like. So I've heard was it Mark Ruffalo who did like hundreds of auditions before he got his first job? Yeah, hundreds. I think the number could have even been like six hundred or something, you know. And so in 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 a line of work where you are constantly auditioning and and you know there's something you have to. It's not like you for an audition. That's like doing the work. Like that's doing the work. You that have is. to. You have to work. That is. Well, like I said, I didn't. I didn't book a gig for my first three years. Yeah. You so. know. So. So what sustains you then throughing through that time? For me, am I kicking you? Oh, that's, no. That's no. A chair. Okay. Um. Um. For me, I was through that time. I was diving into class. I was doing plays. 
at that, I did every, I mean, like, I did every student film I could get my hands on. So, yeah. like, I worked on student films and stuff at that time. I, I was doing, I was doing everything I could. Uh, I, but for me, it was such a personal journey um, that I, it was kind of all or nothing. I'm like, I can't do anything else. Like, yeah. I suck at everything else. This is the only thing that's going to work. It, it was, it's kind of like I, 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 all my eggs were in one basket and then I burned down the chicken coop. Like, that's it. Like, there's no more. So, was, wow. Yeah. That, that's that's very anime villain of you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but what sustained me, uh, honestly, was just um, um, feeding, feeding my curiosity through seeing where I could take things uh, art-wise in my work. How far could I go? What new things could I build? Um, um, but yeah, there was. It's it, it is really tough, but I, th I think, um, working to view it as a world of abundance versus one of scarcity is really important too. Now I know it's really tough times, and I'm not wanting to be trite or anything because I know it. There is a lot of opportunity dried up for a while there, but I think, I think coming from the place of okay, where can I try to find more? Where could where where might there be another thing, or where could I build another thing? Mm. Um, I think I think that's a really important mindset because otherwise it can be, feel really scary and depressing and like this one job is the only job there'll ever be and if I don't get it I'm never gonna make it. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good answer. That's a good answer, and I like how you had it right. Your holster just ready to go. Bow, bow. All right, let's end with with a bad word. Yeah, the, and that bad word is fuck. Fuck. Specifically, what the fuck? What the fuck? But actually. Not in a negative way. Okay. Like, what the fuck? Like, okay, so when in your career do you have those, what the fuck, this is actually my life yeah. moments? I actually had um, two this summer. Um, wow. Of all times. Uh, well, High Castle was a, what the fuck, when I first walked on set, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but no, this summer, um, um, because I we recorded um, some I can't say what it is but I recorded some more Marvel stuff something very big and very cool and um, uh, <laughs> the the paycheck showed up this summer and I was like what the fuck it was a really awesome amazing moment of celebration and then and that should be celebrated yeah, yeah it really should yeah, be celebrated that was a like holy fuck um, and then um, when like literally two days ago, we we closed the deal uh, for my wife and I to be number one and two in a movie, yeah. and like I was just like I looked at her, I'm like, what the what the fuck, like I uh, so yeah, those are two, um, just opportunity wise, those were two amazing moments. But um, another one when I got my first action figure from a cartoon I did, yeah, it was like what the fuck. Uh, I have it in a little trophy case at home. That's amazing. Yeah, so I guess those are four. I want a podcast podcaster action figure do I've it had, i've had headphones um and i'd have my computer and the cup of coffee that i spilled on my computer yeah and um yeah that, and hot sauce <laughs> hot sauce yeah we've come full circle here yeah giles panton Gilles Panton. Gilles Panton. It has been a fucking pleasure. Thank you. So where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you? Oh, yeah, okay. Send uh, you waffle memes on yes. the social meds. Waffle it up. At uh, G underscore Panton. Um, that is my Twitter handle. I'm sorry, it's pronounced Panton. Panton. P-A-N-T-O-N. <laughs> um, I think I'm just straight up Giles Panton on Instagram, though. That's a starving platform for me. I don't I don't work on that as often as I do on Twitter. I Honestly, are I... You, are you on the TikTok no, right. but I prefer I prefer the dialogue that I can I can just talk to people and just share thoughts. Yeah, I 
I don't think I've really understood Instagram yet. Mm. I, I see some people who do it very well and they, they'll post a picture, but then what they're really doing is writing and talking to people through it. So maybe I can learn a different way. Anyways, yeah. those are my two. At G underscore Panton on Twitter. Giles Panton on Instagram. I don't have TikTok. I don't have any of that other stuff. But uh, Twitter is where I'm most active, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. How would you describe your Twitter personality? Uh, oh, one part activist, one part one part just laughing at crap, one part sharing the dumb shit that I do. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that that's the recipe that I see. Yeah. I think mine would be described as, um, not even one part, just all hashtag 40 as fuck. <laughs> that, yeah. And, and that contains it. multitudes. All right, so thank you, child. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks for bringing me on. <laughs> it was so fun. Uh, and thank you for bringing the hot sauce. Yes. And thank your father for uh, you, burning it, off a layer of skin. Use it with caution. Yeah. Well, now you tell me. No, it is. It's delightful. Very flavorful. Um, as, actually, as I'm talking, I'm starting to drool. Is Just it, think, thinking about. Oh, hey, good. I'm going to have more hot sauce well, after. Know, Dad, oh. now that it's drool worthy. Yeah. It's good, yeah. <laughs> it's so it activates good. the saliva glands. <laughs> All right. And thank you to. Yeah. You know, I'm going to leave that in because this is what happens when you think about hot sauce and Mm -hmm. you start drooling when you're trying to do your outro. Okay. It is human. Wyvere Screen Scene listeners, thank you. I love you. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review. Five stars knows less. Uh, That helps us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.wyverescreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Wyvere Screen Scene. Wyvere Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Furminger. I'm the only one to blame. And it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger for technical support. Yes, we are a family business. And to Dane Devlay for the original music. Why We Are Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic, dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.